Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. Today you find us in the Department of Music and you've just heard the award-winning and groundbreaking Rhapsody on a Viennese Afternoon by Morris Thrappleton, one of their recent graduates. I'm in a minimalist office in their very modern building, a fascinating mixture of postmodernism and neo-brutalism. Sitting opposite me is Professor Pruitt Loudermilk. Professor Loudermilk. Pruitt. Oh, thank you. Uh, Pruitt, uh, this is our first visit to the Department of Music, but you are nationally very well known. You are famous as an avant-garde music critic and are seldom out of the society pages, Oh, actually. please. I think you're on to your sixth marriage, aren't well, you? Well, uh, tittle-tattle, but y- yes. I didn't know these interviews were like a 70s red-top newspaper. Well, no, they're absolutely not. Hardly the purpose of this, isn't No, it? just a little background, that's all. Of course. Well, so, what is... The purpose of this interview, in your mind? To outline an interesting breakthrough we have brought about with the Department of Mathematics. Ah, yes, the maths department is very cutting edge at the moment. And maths and music is a popular combination of subjects, isn't it? Well, there is a strong connection, as you say. Harmony is a mathematical concept, if you think about it even if you don't think about it. And then you have the mathematics of astronomy and the aforementioned harmony of the spheres and so on. But this goes back a long way, doesn't it? I mean, there's nothing really new here. Bear with me. Now, have you ever been moved to tears by a piece of music? Well, I I don't think... um, Well, yes. Yes, I have. I have. And would you describe yourself as a, a particularly emotional person? Are you, for example, moved by a video of a kitten at play on YouTube. Not to tears, no. Perhaps a bad example. What about um, romantic movies? Leave Me Cold, by and large. No tears there, I'm afraid. Even love story? Especially love story. That's more like it. Most people, not to be sexist, but most men are like you. And yet you have been moved to tears by music. Well, not often, but yes. Barber's Adagio, actually. And do you know why? Well, I never really thought about it. Why should you? And, if you can remember, what was the sensation like? Well, I don't think By which I mean, if you were to cry bitterly at a real tragedy, the death of a loved one, for example, that would be horrible, wouldn't it? Well, of course. But being moved to tears by music, is that the same? Well, I see what you mean. Uh, It's a completely different sensation. It's tears without horror, or as you say, bitterness. Well, I'm, I'm not putting this very well. That's because it is very difficult to put well. Your emotions are being stimulated in a certain way with a particular effect, but you don't know why. You feel maybe a delicious sadness, but a sadness without cause. Apart from the music, of course. Yes, 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 I I know what you mean, but with respect, Pruitt, uh, there's nothing new here either. I'm not saying there is. A lot has been written about this. And several musician friends of mine actually have party pieces in which they can manipulate the emotions of an audience from happiness to sadness with a progression of chords. And a lot of musicians exploit this quite mercilessly in their work. What, in film? Yes, yes. Film music, for example, will use these techniques to enhance a scene. Maybe playing softly so that you're hardly aware of it, but the effect will still be there. Major chords are happy, minor chords are sad, and so on and so on. Everyone knows that. Well, even I do. Even you. The fact is that music affects us physiologically, like hot or cold. Also, this effect changes over time. The older you get, the more it works. There's been a lot of work on this in more specialised areas. But what's new? 
I'm coming to it, but we needed the background. Now, with the Department of Mathematics, we've actually measured this effect. We have uh, quantified it. How? The method applied would be too complicated and detailed for this podcast, and I would need a whiteboard to explain it. We have reduced it for want of a better expression to figures. Well, can I see it? Perhaps I could describe it to the listeners. Well, it's an equation. Well, can you write it out for me? Well, I've got a copy in my notebook. Here. This is it. See if you can describe that. Um, Pruitt has just produced a rather fetching ornate leather-bound notebook and and opened it. Yes. OK. Uh, oh, yes, I see what you mean. You see? It's like uh, it's a mathematical equation running to ooh, several lines. It's impossible to describe. It's... <laughs> It's not like E equals MC squared. No, not at all. Much more complicated. But it does work. A simple conversion process will connect that with harmonics and vice versa. Music that will be guaranteed to reduce you to tears. Reduce is the wrong word. Catapult you to tears. Well, I appreciate that this must be a significant breakthrough. It is. But forgive me, <laughs> is there any point to this work? Any point? Any point? That's like saying, what was the point of the theory of evolution? There's no obvious point to that. Well, of course there is. I mean, it's... I'm only kidding. There is very much a point to it, and the theory of evolution too. I'm afraid you're going to have to sit through a bit more background. OK. As you said earlier, we are a cutting-edge department. We're at the forefront. We take risks. We have a reputation. That does not come easily. Here's an example. Our student Ibiba Gigliotti was inspired by Debussy's Afternoon of a Form to produce this. She calls it The Hour of Dusk in Autumn Woodland. Wow, indeed. She won the department's Golden Harp Award last year. But you see, as I was saying, historically, some of the world's earlier, more groundbreaking and subsequently famous musical works were very poorly received at the first performance. Like the uh, Rite of Spring. Exactly so. Well done. Very good example. Stravinsky. The Rite of Spring had a very hostile reception, but obviously went on to become a very famous ballet. Carmen by Bizet had a similarly rocky start for different reasons. The important part is they were groundbreaking, but they were received badly. So the idea behind this is that if you produce a groundbreaking piece of work, it will be a while before it is generally accepted. Exactly. And then when it is accepted, it will be seen as cutting edge, as pushing the envelope and will be even more laudable for that reason. It is evident that, in order to keep its reputation as a groundbreaking musical department, South Mims needs to have a few hostile receptions under its belt. In fact, quite a lot. And you have had a few. I mean, I did do some research. Your graduate student, Bampunin Toth, 
produce an avant-garde symphony for kettles, didgeridoos and screwdrivers that produced a near riot in Alice Springs, Australia. I mean, only recently. Not true. It was not a near riot. It was a total riot. They were very conservative in Alice Springs and there was a lot of weaponry lying about. Poor Bampoomim. He suffers with his nerves and was a prisoner in his hotel room and he had to be helicoptered out. Suffered a minor wound to his left elbow. And did his symphony go on to win wider acclaim after its rocky start? Early days, but that is not the point. I'm not saying that all groundbreaking works go on to greater success. Far from it. But some do. And also, as you said, that was only recent. Some of these works lie unnoticed for years and then suddenly start trending. Whatever the outcome, it does the department no end of good. This is all very well, Pruitt, but I, I don't really see what this has to do with that complex equation. You don't? No, I, okay, I don't. OK, OK. We have established that it is often useful if one of our more experimental offerings gets a hostile reception to begin with. Now, for maximum effect to strike while the iron is hot, this has to be carefully managed. We need to produce press releases, letters for alumni to the media, set up some interviews, and then there's the logistical nightmare of social media to have ready. We have an entire department for that. I still don't get Suppose we had set something up in the way I had described to have a hostile reception and then people actually liked it. I know that's unlikely, but it could happen. So, we have to absolutely guarantee that it will outrage and alienate people. We need to predict the reaction so that we can capitalise on it. We need some certainty. Get our planning ducks in a row. Oh, now exactly. I get it. Exactly, exactly. Now we have mathematically quantified the physiological effects music can have on an audience. We simply feed the emotion of revulsion into the composition. So that the effect on the audience is not one of pleasure, for example, but horror and disgust. Physiological horror and disgust. They couldn't like it even if they wanted to. Then we know what the reaction will be and we can plan our marketing campaign accordingly and capitalise on it. Genius. Thank you. No, no, wait a minute. I thought of Hitch. Go on. I assure you we have thought of everything. Right. You said that a piece would be rejected for being too cutting edge, but then would be accepted for that very reason. Yes. But it would still have the section in it that was, in your words, physiologically horrible. People wouldn't be able to listen to it, even if they wanted to like it. Then. Oh, that's easy. Our kind of music is so multi-layered that we can remove the physiologically damaging sections without anyone really noticing. Here, let me play you a section from one of our more avant-garde graduates. This is called... Still Life with Roses and Chrysanthemums by Chang 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 Chang. Now, he's a postmodern Chinese who's fashioned his name to evoke raindrops on a brass bowl. <laughs> Um, that was very uh, interesting, avant 
guard, I think. Exactly. Thank you. I challenge you to identify any phrases in that. But you could. Oh, straight away, but I have a trained ear. Well, I suppose you must. And how is the future looking? Of the music department? Oh, good. Very good. As I say, we have carved a place for ourselves in the progressive community. And are you well funded? I mean, that seems to be a constant worry in this day and age. Yes, we are. Some of it's from an unusual source. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. It's the military. Sound used as a weapon. Oh, the military. (laughs) As ever. They seem to have a strong relationship with universities these days. And, um, yes, that dictator Noriega, Panama, uh, defeated with heavy metal, I think it was. Famously, yes, he was. Due to Noriega's activities, America invaded Panama in uh, 1989. Noriega holed up in the Vatican Embassy. He wouldn't come out. He was eventually forced out with heavy metal music played at top volume outside. Van Halen we used, I think. The idea caught on. Music was also used as a weapon in sieges in Iraq and Afghanistan. And always heavy metal? Seems to be. But maybe we can make a contribution. We've produced our own developed version of heavy metal. Have a quick listen to a tribute to Motorhead's Ace of Spades by our own Fahinti Otter. Drive me of hate! It's not for you! But there are other things. Uh, sorry, wait a minute. I'm just my ears are. I'm just trying to recover from from that last piece. <laughs> yes, yeah, a powerful experience. It should be played louder, of course. You're all right. <clears throat> well, um, but there are other things our experiments with mathematical equations can do. You're familiar with sopranos managing to break a glass with a particularly powerful high note. Well, yes, but isn't that apocryphal? No, 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 it's all true. I think if the singer can hit a note that vibrates at the same level as the molecules in the glass, it shatters, something like that. Ask the physicists how it works, but it is true. We decided to produce an actual instrument which, when placed in an orchestra, could produce the physiological feeling of revulsion we mentioned earlier. Oh, you used that equation again then? Yes. With some help with the physics department, we produced an instrument that resonated at a frequency based on the equation, which would have the right effect. You produced an instrument? Well, not me personally. I approached Harry Edwards de Tier at the design department. He has a can-do attitude and a very open mind. He simply asked, woodwind or brass? Meaning, would you like him to design a woodwind or brass instrument? Well, exactly that. I went for brass. Brass can produce more um, strident sounds. And did they make anything? They certainly did. Here it is. And Pruitt has produced an instrument case. It's a, a bit like the one trumpets are carried in, and, uh, uh, and he's opening it to reveal... Oh, good heavens... Do you like it? Well, it's, uh, um, it's very hard to describe. It's, it's like a, a combination of a tuba and a trombone. We call it a crassomium. Is it hard to play? 
not really, its range is pretty limited, but if you work it into any performance, the notes it produces will be enough to alienate and revolt any audience. Revolt? Oh yeah, it's very effective. But its influence can easily be removed or edited from a recording without much noticeable effect on the piece as a whole, so that after the initial hostility in later performances it is accepted. You have to introduce it very carefully at the appropriate moments. Well, it looks incredible. I mean, how many are there? One. That's the only one. It's a prototype. But it's not going to change much. It does the job, it looks good, that's pretty much it. It does look good. Um, actually, <laughs> I wonder, um, could, could I possibly have a go? Um, I've never seen a prototype instrument before. I mean, it, it would be like trying the very first trombone. Certainly. Uh, you hold it oh, here. Yes. <laughs> and okay. there. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot lighter than it looks. And you blow in there. Take a deep breath. You're going to need a lot of puff. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Oh, that was. Oh, that's a strange feeling. My, my, my ears are. are are resonating and my, and my whole body. I mean, and what a noise. Obviously a skilled player would be able to do a bit more with it, but you get the idea. Oh, I certainly do. <laughs> oh, and Professor Pruitt, Loudermilk, this has been fascinating. It's been a joy. <laughs> Truly illuminating and, and resonating. <laughs> and that's all for now from South Mims U. If, if you've enjoyed this podcast, tell your friends. And if you liked the music, then that's your problem. <laughs> We'll see you again.